Sex Muffin. Oh. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. And in just 15 days' time, we will know the winner of Super Bowl 50. But before we get to that, there's two more games. The Conference Championship, the best teams in the NFC and the best teams in the AFC face off tomorrow. And we will go through all of the big talking points from those games, as well as the news, views, and various nonsense and chit-chat. This is the Gridiron Show. We have vacated the living room. We are back in true studio territory. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter to bring you through all the weekend's NFL action. The Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tour, Sports Travel for Sports Fans. By Sports Fans, keep checking us out. Gridiron-magazine.com, at Gridiron on Twitter. And there are still a couple of hundred tickets left available for our Super Bowl party. If you go to Gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl 50, you can get your tickets there, meet and greet with a player, all the good stuff. It's going to be great fun. NFL sanctioned. Uh, yeah, the NFL UK official viewing party, I think you will find. Replace the Big Bash. Our party was so good last year that it put the uh, that other one that you get free tickets out of business. That, so <laughs> The party that shall not be named. The party that will... Sh- yeah, ram it. <laughs> it's such just to break my train of thought, so <laughs> yeah, I just absolutely. say ram it. Anytime you speak for more than 30 seconds, I'm just going to go... Ram it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm glad that we're back in the studio because you don't have access to your ridiculous soundboard. Uh, well, some like, people generally were quite positive on it. Somebody even messaged me asking where they could get the app from. They loved the jungle sounds. But, idiot. Uh, <laughs> You're not an idiot. It was we, lovely. <laughs> we will have plenty of access to that when we're in San Francisco. And we've still got all our usual sound drops here as well. Coming up on today's show, we will preview both the AFC and NFC Championship game, including our man Matt Sherry, who right now is in Denver, well, asleep in a hotel as we're speaking. But in a few hours' time, he'll be travelling to Denver training. He'll be going to the Peyton Manning press conference. He'll be going to interview any players if he can get his hands on them, if they're doing any player interviews. And then he'll be coming on and joining us and doing a bit of a preview of the game. Listen, I've got a problem with this. Go on. I find it difficult understanding, Sherry. <laughs> how it... How are NFL players going to do it? <laughs> I'm really looking forward. I mean, really, to, come on. To hearing what Von Miller makes of a Hartlepool accent. <laughs> it's one of those accents you you can't do and you don't want to do because it's terrible. I'm a, sorry, Sherry. A deep southern drawl versus a hardcore <laughs> northeast accent. Look, that is exciting. There's story. only one place you can hear it. And that's on this show. <laughs> wow. Uh, we are recording this. This is about 7am-ish on uh, Friday morning, but the show will be out Saturday morning. Once we've done our chatter and natter with uh, Matt Sherry. So if any big breaking news stories happen in the next kind of 18 hours before we release the podcast, me and Sherry can always cover them off in our little chatette as well. So don't worry, we'll be totally up to date. But we've got some news to get through ourselves. We'll preview the games, as I say. Uh, we've also... Uh, got lots of lots of your interactions on twitter and uh, facebook is the exaggeration i think we've got five because i put the tweet out at 6 a.m this morning should have done it last night yes absolutely should have done it Look, last night when people are actually on twitter and care about these you things. and i both knew that we were recording this tonight 
Yeah. Today. This morning. This morning. See, you can tell us this morning. Uh, I don't know where, what time it is or where I am. Um, I'm slightly disappointed with you. What? Yeah, I don't like your new face and head. <laughs> Will before looked like a bit of a hobo, more of a hobo than I normally do. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, sort of a, a scruffy ginger mop and a ginger scruffy ginger beard. I think the beard actually is better today, but it's gone for a, a hipster cut. And I don't like it. I, I don't like and, it and it is a full-on hipster cut as well. I went to a, a fancy barber, Porter's in Clapham, and uh, I had a very attractive woman by the name of Natalie, uh, and she was delightful. You cut your hair, her. hopefully, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, <laughs> uh, You'd have loved her. She had piercings, <gasps> and she was, she was cool, and we had a lovely chat, and uh, she did my hair and did a very good job and did my beard, but it was one of those ones when she does the beard, you get lowered back down in one of those classic massive leather seats. Oh, no, uh, no what you're going to say now get the old cutthroat razor out to do the lines along the bottom and the sides hot face towel on to clear up the pores it was beautiful it was great and but weirdly this is the weird thing about my haircut i uh, th- they wash the hair after doing the uh, after doing the initial cut and then they style it for you um but you leant forwards into the bowl instead of being lowered back into it and i found that weird <laughs> so basically yeah, okay. basically it's guillotine I was prone. style yeah, exactly. <laughs> i was totally prone and it had a lovely like the edge of the um the the edge of the uh sink that's what it's called gavin had uh had a lovely leather uh cushioned chin rest on it so there was a good place to put your newly trimmed bearded face Ooh. but uh, still it felt weird because I, f- I felt prone i felt like at any moment somebody could have taken a sword to the back of my neck katana style and taken me out she could have done that. Natalie could have taken me out. Mm. Luckily enough, she didn't. She was delightful, and uh, I tipped her well. And you uh, live to tell the tale. Yeah, exactly. Thankfully. That's the main <laughs> thing. I'm here today because I lived to tell the and tale. And what a tale it was, gen- ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'd like to apologise on behalf of us both for you having to sit through that. What? This is ludicrous. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Because there is a lot to talk about. Shall we start off by talking about the Pro Football Writers of America end of season awards yeah let's do that awesome i mean actually i think for my money this year these are as close as i would have imagined them to have being uh, if you know what i mean i think if i had to guess who won the awards this year i would have probably guessed almost all of these if not all of these just to run through them quickly for you and we'll do we'll go through them all and then we'll we'll pick apart any that you want to mvp of course it was cam newton uh, the Defensive Player of the Year, well, it's only going to be J.J. Watt. Uh, Coach of the Year, Ron Rivera. Exec of the Year, Mike McCagnan of the New York Jets. Assistant of the Year, uh, Hugh Jackson, offensive coordinator, now head coach of the Browns, but formerly of the Bengals. And Wade Phillips, who his defense faced uh, Brady this weekend. They were tied for Assistant of the Year. And then on the Rookie of the Year's front, there was Marcus Peters, won Defensive Rookie of the Year. And Todd Gurley, won Offensive Rookie of the year uh todd Gurley was one that i slightly argue with because obviously i think he showed the most explosive ability like he's the guy who looks like in the future he could be a proper top class nfl player plus it gives us another opportunity to say ram it uh, <laughs> but uh, i actually genuinely can't just react straight off the back of that i have to kind of giggle to myself why 
because it just makes you laugh when you go rabbit uh, <laughs> right, sorry. back into it. Uh, and I think both of the quarterbacks potentially showed more consistency over the course of a season. So there's a slight argument that he led the NFL rookies in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. So there's some areas you can't argue with it. Marcus Peters, of course, the Chiefs cornerback who led the NFL in interceptions, his defensive rookie of the year. Again, he's got the splashy statistics. You can understand why that is. Uh, Cam Newton, just to give you an idea, started all 16 games in 2015, completing 296 of 495 passes for just under 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns. The only player in NFL history with 30 plus passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns. We had somebody on Twitter getting in touch with us and saying that they couldn't buy into the idea of Cam as MVP. Of course, forgetting the fact that he managed to have the high, put up 500 points. One of the highest scoring offences in the league with Ted Ginn and Jericho Cottry and some other guys whose names I can't Devin remember. Devin Funches. Uh, yeah, Greg, Greg Olson, but Greg Olson's a good player. Yeah. Um, and he said less than 4,000 yards. Nonsense. Carolina, easy schedule. That you can only play you've got against you. Three, persona. What, what's he on about? Cam's got a great persona. I think he's absolutely delightful. And I heard some people having a go at him this week for the whole... Um, he obviously had his baby last week. The name... Is slightly irritating. I did not know he had his baby. What's the name? Chosen. No, no, no. What did he choose for the name? No, 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 no. Chosen is the name. Oh, dear. Yeah, that is an oh, dear, but you know these things. Chosen Newton. Yeah. <laughs> not great. Couldn't have been Fig or... Uh, I can't think of another good <laughs> Newton name. <laughs> Damn it. Isaac. Um, uh, yeah, I, or Isaac. Why not call it, go for Isaac? Isaac's a great name. <laughs> Un- undervalued and underused name these days. And I was going to hold this back until later in the show, but... Uh, you can't After, help yourself now, can you? Yeah, no, I kind of can't. After the uh, the Panthers' 31-24 win over the Seahawks, there was a moment where Cam was running around to the fans and high-fiving them, delighted at the end of the game. And a Seahawks fan at the edge of the crowd waved a 12th man flag in his face. And he snatched it off them and threw it away in just a moment of silly fun. He's got a big old grin on his face. <laughs> I don't think... Look it, you're That's watching great. it now on Vine. There's nothing harmful, <laughs> particularly harmful. That Seahawks that fan's an idiot. You you got what you deserve there, pal. That didn't stop Sarah sending a arsy open letter on the internet. Your wife? Not my wife, just a Sarah Palin? fan called Sarah. Very upset by Newton's display. Dear Mr. Newton! So not Sarah Palin? Uh, you know what we need for this. No, not Sarah Palin. Thanks. Uh, this week, in, <laughs> I was trying to ignore you. <laughs> I, I figured if I kept trying to ignore you, you might never shut up. Ram it. Uh, I, <laughs> I think we need this in order to read out Sarah's letter. Dear Mr. Newton, I'm a Seahawks fan. I bleed blue and green. Although I will be the first to tell you that today we did not bring our A game and we were beaten fair and square. She says beat fair and square. That's wrong. There is one thing, though, one thing that needs to be said. My newsfeed is filled with you, Mr. Newton, and not in a good way. A video of you pulling down a 12th flag down, pulling down a 12th flag down, not good, and throwing it to the ground like garbage. (laughs) <laughs> you see, the one that people don't realise is Seahawks fans aren't just fans. The 12th man is a community, a family, that regardless of winning, stand behind our team and our community. There weren't many fans there before you started winning. See you, Cam, disrespecting the 12th man flag isn't just disrespecting our team, it's disrespecting the fans that back our team. A community that feeds and clothes the homeless. A community that raises funds for families in hard times. A community that helps a three-year-old girl battle cancer. A community That was the Bengals. A community that has more grace and respect than you could imagine. You see, Cam... 
While you are practicing for your next game, our QB will be at Seattle Children's Hospital raising the flag that you shamefully threw to the ground. <laughs> the same one. And he will be placing them on hospital walls of little twelves. So, Cam, the next time you think of disrespecting our flag, I hope you remember that even though you may have won the game, it is the Seahawks and the Twelfth Man who are the real winners. Don't think so. Win or lose, we come with class, ha, respect, ha, a love for the game, admittedly, yes, a willingness to help others, love for God. And for those surrounding us, so Mr. Classless Cam Newton, good luck and may God teach you what real winning looks like. Oh God, and does it say vote Trump at the end? It may as well do. <laughs> the first one is the, Sorry. Per the person who had a, a go at the, the person who said the persona message into our Twitter feed was a Seahawks fan. Thank you for pulling that down. <laughs> My first point on the persona is that Cam Newton is fun and great to watch and does lots of kind of maybe slightly wacky, slightly fun things. But, like, did you see when the dabbing and all of that? I think it's great fun. When he gave the ball to that little girl after the first touchdown in the game... She, she was, was amazing, so wasn't she? Yeah. It was brilliant. Compared with your quarterback, who is, yes, brilliant and seems like a delightful young man, but Manny is boring. And he's going out with Ciara and is a virgin. There are very few things in life that I will not tolerate. Ciara's definitely not a virgin, but he is. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way... Other points on that letter, though. I have some ranting points on that well, No, I'm just saying you might want to make a time code, because I swore in there. What? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I did not. <laughs> I was so incensed by this nonsense that I didn't even notice you swearing. So just a few other things. It's a 12th man flag, not an American one. And if you think good deeds expecting, if you do good deeds expecting preferential treatment and recognition for said good deeds, you're doing those good deeds for the wrong reason, Sarah the Seahawks fan. Mm. Well, there's something... And while we're on that point, no, while we're on that point, Cam Newton travelled to Charleston this summer in the wake of the mass shooting event, visited families of the victims, hosted some of those families at a Panthers game this year, spent Thanksgiving serving food to underprivileged children. The 12th man and Russell Wilson don't have some kind of monopoly on doing good work in the community. Cam Newton is clearly a decent man. Forget class and sportsmanship. It's funnily enough, it's only when people talk about class and sportsmanship is when they lose. Yeah. If you'd won, you wouldn't have cared. No. I'm done now. That's I, I can finish the podcast at this point. Okay, well, well there's not much to talk about anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> right, see you later. Should we go through the rest of the awards? What uh, defensive MVP, uh, 76 total tackles, uh, led the NFL in 17 and a half sacks? I don't even know why we're bothering with I this. I'd said it earlier in the season, or maybe even last year, they should just rename it the Watt Award. Yeah, the J.J. Watt Award. When he retires, it will be called the J.J. Watt Defensive Player of the Year. Now, Mike McCagnan for the Jets is, uh, is an interesting one. His moves obviously helped the Jets rebound to 10-6. and six. Probably should have made the playoffs. Missed out at the final hurdle. And yes, he made some good moves. I think there's a shout for a couple of other guys, though. Um, I think, uh, we, whilst we're talking about the Panthers, Dave Gettleman, they've drafted very well there over recent seasons. I, I find Exec of the Year a difficult award to give on a single season performance because uh there's he has come in and uh, spent one year but actually you have to say that idzik drafted a lot of the players that have done them a good job there mm. uh, and kind of similarly if you look at uh what uh mosley i can never say his name properly which is why i was maybe avoiding it in carolina mm, in, um, in arizona has done the impact of Valdir and Iupati on the line david johnson picked up in the third all rival that kind of brandon marshall blue chip signing so well, chris johnson as well who had a really really good season i'm i'm not arguing with 
him being awarded. I'm just saying there were other people who might have been worthy as well. Um, Who's the least worthy? I think the assistants, Mike Shulin, deserves a shout for that, for the same reasons we're talking about Cam. 500 points with that ludicrously bad offence. Uh, they've given Ron Rivera coach of the year, so maybe it's then difficult to give the assistant of the year to the same sort of person. But we got into a bit of an argument with Liam Blackburn about this, and if he was up early enough, we'd probably get him down the line for this. But he believes that Arians should be coach of the year. And whilst I admit that they're pretty much a 1 and a 1A, Arians, in a, this NFC Championship game is going to be amazing this weekend. Um, I just think that what Rivera has done this season with not just the overperforming offense, but on the defense, Short, Lotalele, Norman, Shaq Thompson, Kirk Coleman, these guys who weren't superstars going into the season, I mean, in Shaq Thompson's case, is a rookie, and he's turned them into Pro Bowl-level players, almost all Pro-level players. He's taken the team to a 15-1 and record. They bounced back from their only loss, whereas Arizona had, I know they bounced back from their losses, but they had some bad losses and some bad wins as well. Their performances against, say, the Steelers, against the 49ers, were not good wins. So Arians, yes, probably in another year would have won coach of the year but it's quite a tight thing to me and there's always the belichick factor belichick never gets any votes for coach of the year and whilst we love to bag on the patriots because the fans hate it um bill belichick is for what he's done with the injuries they've had and what they've managed to achieve has had another ridiculously good season but it's because he's almost expected to win mm. they're in their 10th afc championship game in the last no, no, yeah, tenth AFC Championship game in like fifteen seasons. Sickening, isn't it? Fifth in a row. Sickening. Ludicrous. Um, just to pick you up. They lost. The Cardinals lost to the Steelers. Did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, but th- the fact that they lost us at the Steelers, they lost at home to the Rams. They were beaten. The the annihilated as badly as they annihilated Green Bay by Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was. Uh-huh. I think that's some of the reasons why Arians did not win that award. And of course, it wasn't fifteen and one either. Uh, we asked you guys who you thought uh, should have won various bits and pieces. Obviously, we had Al uh, who bitched us out about Cam. Uh, Peter Aquaviva, Aqua, is that right? Aquaviva, yeah. yeah. Big Aaron, Denver Broncos fan. Aaron Donald deserves Defensive Player of the Year, in my opinion. Can't argue with what, even in a non-terrific year, but he's still. Top three without batting an eye. But Aaron Donald is a great shout. As an impact player on that line, he's been phenomenal. Uh, Nick says Bruce Arians for Coach of the Year, agreeing with our man. Um, couldn't agree. Could not agree more with McCagnan, says Tom Knight. Been a huge success for the Jets. Hard to argue with argue with Cam and what Coach a bit harder, Arians or Rivera, both deserving, so either was fair. And he says Mac showed huge overall change to the Jets, both on and off the field. So, yeah. We needed something to talk about on this show, and the Pro Football Writers Association came through for us at the right moment. Sean McDermott, I think, has uh, been undervalued. Um, the Panthers' uh, defensive coordinator, Ooh. of course, probably wouldn't have won because of again uh, Bruce uh, uh, Ron Rivera winning. But again, that uh, that Panthers' defense uh, corners, the the edge rushes, uh, they're incredible. So. I think that was a bit unlucky from him. Um, I did ask you, in all the midst of that, who's done the worst GM job uh, in so far? <laughs> I've, I would go Chip Kelly. Kelly. Uh, uh, um, I mean, Shelly, there's, there's a shout for... There's Chippy. Sh- no, not Chippy. I don't like <laughs> Chippy. There's a shout for Chelly, but it's obviously Ryan Grigson. You love Chippies. <laughs> right, Let, yeah, I do. That noise was horrendous. It was great. <laughs> I do love chippies. You are correct. And what I love more is GMs making ludicrous statements, like John Robinson, who told the league this week. This is into the news section, by the way. But Ollie, give it a f- what have I just fallen on? Ah, 
Um, <laughs> I nearly just fell off my chair. There's a big hole in the ground where the plugs go. Yeah. Uh, you might want to time code that because you swore that <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> That's fine. I'm not editing out any of this. So I'll just beat the swearing. Come on, mate. You're all over the place. <laughs> I've not been to bed yet. Let me be. I'm like uh, Phil and Holly on This Morning. Cultural reference, if you get that one. No? Have you not seen this yet? No. Phil, Phil Schofield and Holly Willabooby, who I love. Who doesn't love her? Um, turned up to do This Morning, yesterday morning. Drunk. The day after the National Television Awards. Still wearing the same clothes they've been wearing the night before. Blatantly. To, and, like, they, they put videos on air of them round at Aunt McPartland's house... Uh, celebrating that they'd... It's like a tradition, apparently, to go back to his house after the awards. Um, playing that pie-in-the-face game, you know, where you put your... your this is like a new uh, little interactive-type board party game uh, where you put your face in a hole and it's got, like, a comedy mask around it. And there's, like, a splatting pie thing that you put whipped cream on and then you put a timer on. It's like buckaroo. It'll either go off or won't go off and hit you in the face and then you pass it on to the next person. That sounds incredible. But they put, like, pick a lily on it and mustard and stuff like that oh. and so holly willoughby was there with her dress on a white dress with like spots of yellow down oh. it and stuff where she's been <laughs> smashed in the face it's genuinely it's really funny actually like totally non-football related i i thought it was hilarious i'm gonna have a look at it you do that i'll uh, i'll talk about the football shall i uh, <laughs> um so on to the news ollie can i have a news beeps please <laughs> and our first piece of news involves the <laughs> because John Robinson, the new Titans GM, has told the league he is looking to ship the number one pick. Is that any surprise when you have a talent-poor team and you already have your star quarterback? But who? Who would they trade that number one pick with, Ollie? Because I don't... There's not... For me, there's a lack of great QB combined with the fact that they've got Mariota will just kill the price altogether. They're not going to get one of those deals like a Robert Griffin the third deal or even the deal that uh, we saw for Sammy Watkins a couple of years ago where you get two or three first, you get a second thrown in as well. No one's going to want to pay that much to move up to first if it's not to get their star quarterback because they know the value of future draft picks. Yeah. Yeah, but there are some, some teams that already have a quarterback that also have needs elsewhere dallas cowboys being one where they really need pressure on um uh, on the quarterback from the defensive side in joey bosa uh, oh i love joey bosa looking like that he's uh, going to be the very high maybe number one in the in in the draft dallas cowboys if they've got but um, i think dallas want a quarterback as well yeah but they've got tony romo tony romo's going to come back if they can find a, a quarterback with value a bit later on in the draft Maybe second or third round. Second round, I expect them to go for um, uh, the, the fellow who won the Heisman. Oh, uh, the running back. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, Henry. Hen yeah. Derek yeah, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Derek Henry. I kept thinking Dak Prescott, but it's not him. Derek Henry. Um, I expect him to go to them maybe second round. I think pick up a, a quarterback in the third. Move up to get Joey Bosa. If they're, if they're in fourth and no team takes a quarterback above them, I think the Cowboys would take Jared Goff and try and develop him behind Tony, Tony Romo for a year because that would be ideal for him anyway because I don't think he's a week one starter. No, I don't think so either, but I just think that Jerry be, Jones... That would be the ultimate bold move and I would love it. I think Jerry Jones I I see more, sees, more, um, sees more in Tony Romo and thinks he can get more out of him. And he can because Tony's had half a season. I think the thing is, is that Hugh Jackson is sat at two 
wanting to take a quarterback, I imagine, for the Browns. And that's where I think Jared Goff will go. There's other teams need a quarterback in the first round. The Browns, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles, uh, the Rams at 15, the Texans at 22. So there's definitely teams in there who need that. Uh, whether or not they'd be willing to go up to first to get it, I do not believe they would necessarily. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, there have been a lot of coaching changes in the NFL over the past few days, and we'll run through a few of them quickly. Just want to start off with New York, because this has annoyed me slightly. Uh, at least seven coaches from last year's staff are going to be retained by Ben McAdoo for this season, including defensive coordinator Steve pa- Spagnolo, who led them to a league worse uh, I think rush defense and points defense. I'd have to double check that. I probably made it up. And Mike Sullivan, <laughs> who is expected to be promoted from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. Now, I'm not saying that Mike Sullivan's bad at his job. Uh, didn't do great with the backups, but, you know, that's, that is what it is. But all this is saying to me is, so you've brought nobody in. You've let Ben McAdoo move up, who, by the way, has... You think I've got a bad haircut? Check out McAdoo. That's, his mum definitely still cuts That looks like Billy Bob Thornton in the first few episodes of uh, Fargo. Good. Excellent call. Uh, all this says to me is, Tom Coughlin was the only issue with our team. Because we've got rid of Tom Coughlin and promoted everyone else in his place. And I don't believe that to be the case. And that's disgusting. With Jerry Reese there as well. Oh, r- rubbish. This, Tom Coughlin, a d- two-time Super Bowl winner. And the, 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 the Giants are just bagging on him by doing all of these uh, inner promotion. Uh, they, I, they do this where they want to save money, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I've I found this out. Companies hire from within but so they don't have to pay as much. It's a disgrace. Kit Watch. No? No, just full on celebration music. And that celebration music is specifically aimed at Catherine Smith, the first full-time female coach in the NFL. You're a disgrace. We should have left, uh, led with this. Uh, well, no, I, I, this is... For the... all of our female fans, you're sexist. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm sexy. No, sexist. I knew you liked my new hair. It's definitely not sexy. sexy. You think I'm oh, sexy? Oh, you're not. Uh, but yeah... <sighs> I sip that water sexy. Uh, yeah, Catherine Smith is the first female coach, a uh, female full-time coach in the NFL. She'll be taking over the Bills' quality control special teams coach role what on does Wednesday. What mean? So the quality control is the person who essentially scouts the opposition specific to that uh, that part of the field, so that phase of play, so defence, offence, uh, special teams. So she will be responsible for looking at their next opposition, looking at what they do on special teams, scouting them, looking at what the plays might be, bringing that information back to the coaching staff and working out how they can coach up to specifically attack or defend against the opposition special teams. So where a lot of people started, Doug Pedersen, who uh, has just become the obviously new Eagles head coach, after he finished quarterback in the NFL, his first job was doing exactly this as a special team. So it's sort of like the bottom rung of the land get them in see what they can do and then prom- promote from within and from all we understand i mean Catherine smith's been working with rex ryan for uh, for 15 odd years in various roles uh, she was at the jets she was back at the bills in various assistant roles and so it's brilliant to see this but much like we discussed with the michael sam stuff uh, in the uh, previous off season what would what would be absolutely fantastic about this is if this kind of news was just thrown in with every other bit of coaching news because it's not abnormal 
Uh, I understand that it's slightly different when it comes to gender because it's not going to be a sport that's necessarily be played by women anytime sooner. There are a couple of female kickers in college. You know, that's potentially a position where a female could play in the NFL. Uh, but otherwise, I, you know, it'd be great when we're saying, oh, so-and-so's been hired there, just like we'd say about any man hire, and maybe rip into them for a terrible hire. I don't think this is a terrible hire, I'm just saying. Uh, time will tell, but yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. Uh, just to run through a few of the other hires going around. So the uh, the <laughs> I forgot that your running backs coach was called that. Uh, Green Bay Packers have fired Titans coach Jerry Fontnot and running backs coach Sam Gash, <laughs> uh, who, by the way, his uh, appears to have been fired from his job from not being able to keep Eddie Lacy under twenty five stone. Right, should we pre? We've done like a half an hour podcast, and we haven't even talked about the real reason we're here. Because tomorrow, as this podcast comes out, two days as we're doing it, is the conference championships. Fifteen days to the Super Bowls. Two and a half weeks after that, it'll be the combine. Free agency straight after. It will never end. But this season is close to over, and we've got a couple of games to preview. So let's do them in the televised order. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's easier for everyone to get around so let's kick off by speaking with our man in denver matthew sherry he's out there with our competition winner luke who won the chance to go to the championship game this year and he is headed to denver training today to speak with whoever he can get his hands on so he may come back with zero audio because they generally don't do uh don't do locker room stuff on a friday he may come back with loads of great stuff i don't know at this point you're can about you get, to find out can you get him to ask if luke's actually um Calm, you know he's 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 no longer shocked yeah because he was shocked the whole time yeah. we spoke to him. Yeah, yeah so very good unless that's just what luke is like <laughs> is luke in a constant state of fear constant <laughs> state of underwhelming <laughs> fear <laughs> come on luke we need a bit more <laughs> give us more luke all oh, right here he is matthew sherry our editor and chief well, we promised big name interviews, and well, well, we've got four or five, five, I think, actual Denver Broncos starters. The biggest interview of all starts now. Matt Sherry, editor of Gridiron, live from the Crown Plaza downtown Denver. How are you doing, buddy? Very good. I'm, uh, I'm very high up in this hotel. Very high, and I'll hopefully be very high later on with the legalised marijuana that's available for me in Colorado. So you're up on the 20th floor of a hotel which is already a mile high in the air. Absolutely. Are you, are you yeah. just out of breath moving around? Well, if I opened the window, I'd be sick, wouldn't I? That's the reality of it. That is how high I am right now. That is incredible. Uh, so first, well, you went to Denver uh, Broncos practice today ahead of their game with the Pats this weekend. But first of all, tell us, you're in Denver. How long have you been there for? What have you seen? Is it an exciting city? Are you pumped for Sunday? I'm pumped for Sunday. It may be the most beautiful city I've ever seen. Wow. That it's is been a dream. It's been a really clear day, so you can kind of... You've got that backdrop of mountains against a kind of high-rise city, which is cool. But, yeah, I mean, I, I had an interesting day yesterday. I was stuck on Heathrow runway for four hours. We got to the runway and then we taxied back in because one of the engines couldn't be bothered to start. So... The two films that I'd picked out for in-flight entertainment I'd already watched by the time we got into the air, which was fun. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it truly is a beautiful city, and while the east coast of America is suffering with a snowstorm, I watched the Denver Broncos practice in my T-shirt this afternoon because it was about 15 degrees Celsius. So yeah, it's been beautiful. Do you think it's going to be similar uh, for the game on Sunday, then? Um, no, it's going to be warmer tomorrow than it was today. Um, and then 
I'm apparently going to Colorado's Las Vegas tomorrow as well, which is this very small town in the middle of the mountains with nothing but casinos, I hear, so that should be fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be colder, certainly. Probably not under that kind of famous Peyton Manning 40-degree temperature. I think it's going to be mid-40s. But they reckon there could be some snow rolling in later on in the game. So what you're saying is the Patriots haven't got a chance on the road and it's not even going to be cold. That's exactly what I'm saying, yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> okay, so talk to us through Broncos practice then, because we've got, uh, you've sent down some fantastic player interviews. We're going to play those in as well and hear what the, the guys at practice had to say. But uh, first of all, just talk about your experience getting there. What's the practice field like? Uh, what did you see? What are The eye test, how are the Broncos looking at the moment? I had a really interesting journey there. I kind of had two buses. There were a couple next to me on the bus who... Um, I think the best way I could describe them is that they wouldn't look out of place on the wire. Uh, and it turns out the Denver Broncos practice facility is right next to the courthouse where they were headed. So I was a little bit wary of them when they started talking to me, especially when I found out they were, they were headed to the courthouse and they've been up since 6am. So uh, it turned out to be two of the loveliest people I've ever met and told me, never judge a book by your cover once again. So the journey there was interesting. But yeah, just backed against this courthouse is this unbelievable facility. I mean, didn't get to see kind of the indoor practice area because it was, weather was fine for the guys to practice outdoors. But everything's kind of in one place. It was just kind of football heaven, really. And um, we, uh, we managed to see 15 minutes of the practice. You were allowed to record it for about 30 seconds, and that isn't an exaggeration. And yeah, I mean, That's because the they Bron- know the Patriots are in town, and there's a history <laughs> of cheating when it comes to recording practices. Sorry, I, I was half expecting to see kind of helicopters <laughs> hovering overhead, overhead to see if there was any extremely good camera equipment high on the Rocky Mountains in the distance, but I didn't see any of that. The Broncos seemed in high spirits. The DB group in particular, um, Akeem Talib, one of the guys I spoke to, who was basically holding court in the locker room seemed really pumped up on the practice field i mean it was kind of you see, you see the basics i mean you know how these things go well there's, there's not a lot to take from it i mean i did tweet that manning's arm strength was noticeably small uh, noticeably weaker than than osweiler's and it was and, and the fact that it shows up in that environment i think is, is kind of telling but but yeah the, the broncos seemed in in decent spirits i i would say from the guys i spoke to there was a kind of reverential level of respect for the Patriots. I think they kind of know that they're in for a, a tough game this weekend. I think they know they've got to play at the very best to have any chance of winning. So who did, who did you catch up with and let's hear from them? Yeah, I mean, the first guy I spoke to was Akeem Tlaib and obviously he's very unique in that he's played both with and against both quarterbacks. And, and the first thing I asked him is, I mean, what are the similarities between these two all-time greats and what is it that makes them so special? Man, they, they they super similar, man. You you'll be surprised uh, just how they first one at the building, the last one to leave. The attention to detail, how they get their offense going and hitting on on perfect strides. Uh, they just super similar, man. It's almost the same guy. Yeah, and I mean, what's it like to kind of be playing? That this could could very well be the last time that they meet each other. Is that special to be a player on the field, kind of? Yeah, man. It's a it's a it's a it's a special moment, like you said. It's a special moment for just football period, just the football world period, and uh, to be a part, to be a chance to be a part of this game. Uh, that's that's special, man. And from your own perspective, you obviously know a lot of the Patriots guys very well. You've gone against them in practice, played against them every year. 
does that give anyone an advantage because they obviously know you well as well? <laughs> yeah, man, the schemes and everything is so different. It's so different now. Uh, I don't think I don't think anyone will have an advantage. It's, uh, it's all on your preparation and uh, whoever wins that matchup that day. And is the Rob Gronkowski matchup one that you would you would want? Would you oh want? yeah, I mean I'm I'm sure I end up on I end up on uh, on Gronk here and there. You know I'm sure I end up on him. Uh, and when I do end up on him, yeah, definitely it's a definitely a matchup that I'm waiting for. I mean, me and Ollie break this down a little bit later in the show when we talk about our views on this game. But did we see any of Chris Harris? Because Akeem Talib, first of all, great accent. But secondly, uh, you talked to him about the Gronk matchup then. And my fear for the Broncos is he's going to be forced to play inside and face against Gronkowski because Chris Harris is going to be limited in terms of snaps. And I think that's a negative for what they're going to do overall defensively, the Broncos. See, I think it's interesting. I mean, to me, Chris Harris is, is probably the only cornerback in the league who, who I think, in a one-on-one situation, could match up with Julian Edelman. So I, I actually think Harris is, is a massive... I mean, the news on Harris is he participated for the second day in a row fully in practice, and he's going to play in the game. Um, he didn't speak in the locker room. He was sat at his locker for a little while while I was around he doesn't look great even in practice to be truthful and I've got the feeling that well he definitely wouldn't be playing if it wasn't the AFC Championship game I think the guy is basically going to play with one arm so yeah I mean Chris Harris has fully participated in practice but I'm not sure that is the good sign that it that it should be I mean the, the Tlaib one's quite interesting I actually think he I think the Broncos' only chance is to match up Tlaib against Gronk because I think he's the only guy with any chance of being able to cover him um, but I think in terms of Edelman, they'll miss. I think Chris Harris is. I think he'll play, but I, I can see him being a shadow of his, his usual self as he was last week. Well, they'll, they'll require coverage not just from the, the defensive backs, but from the linebackers as well, Denver, considering how much those guys play over the middle. Am I right, Matt Sherry? You are right, Will Gavin, and that's a very nice setup to the fact that I interviewed <laughs> their best coverage linebacker, the very athletic and underrated Brandon Marshall. And. Yeah, I mean, similar to what we've just been talking about, the first thing I said is Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, as much a challenge for a linebacker as any in the, any that you can get in the league in terms of coverage, and and this is what he had to say. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, you know. I mean, if you want to be the best, you got to compete against the best, so I'm definitely looking forward to this game. Um, I'm sure everybody's licking their chops to, to play the best, so, um, I mean, and if you're not, then you shouldn't be on the field, so... I know all of our guys are looking forward to playing those guys, and uh, it's going to be a good one. And, and how exciting is it to be part of a defense like this? I mean, you've got guys up front, guys at the back, and, and you and Danny kind of fly under the radar in the middle there, but have established yeah, yeah. yourself as two of the best linebackers in the league. How, how fun is that? Oh, it's extremely fun. You know, um, <laughs> you know, you know that you know you got Hall of Famers to your left and your and your right. You know, Pro Bowl guys, All Pro guys to your left and your right. So, you know, it, it makes your job that much easier. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mind flying under the radar. That's fine. You know, other guys get accolades. It's, it's a team game. I know I get my respect, and, and, and that's all I care about. Um, and having fun. You know, we win, yeah. and, and that's what I really care about. At the end of the day, if we win, um, you know, I'm happy. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's great to play around um, a great defense. And, and, and how special is it for you as a guy who's kind of come up from nowhere and not necessarily been the the guy at the top of the draft and that kind of thing yeah. that journey through into becoming what you've become I mean I guess it's a harder road but you, yeah. you, you're better a better player for it oh yeah definitely um, it made me a better player and a better person you know just you know um, having those issues those trials those tribulations you know getting cut three times 
Um, and then coming to a, a Broncos team where I was on the practice squad yeah. and I just worked hard, it um, you know definitely made me a better player. So, um, you know, I'm just glad that they gave me opportunity. You know, yeah. And I ever love this organization for it. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the best, the good part of that is you're in a team that wins games and, you, and you're a part of something and you, you're challenging for Super Bowls every year. And I know that it's a contract year for you is, I guess, here if finances can be worked out because you had your pay, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I guess this would be the place you'd like to stay. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, I, I love to stay in Denver. You know, uh, it's, it's great here. Uh, culture's great. The players are great. The, the city's great. The fans are great. Yeah. <laughs> Stadium, you know. Um, so, I mean, there's no other place in NFL like Denver. So, yeah, of course, I would love to stay here. And, and just a final question on Sunday's game. As a linebacker, kind of, there's, there's a real kind of raid and reaction to quarterbacks. Tom Brady's obviously one of the best and brilliant at misdirection. How much of an extra mental challenge is that when you're on the field? Obviously, you're trying to play with instinct, but you have to be a lot more alert. I guess. Oh, oh, it was huge. It was huge. You know, um, their whole offense, you know, the whole team does, does things that will keep you guessing, keep you on your toes. So, um, especially Brady being the Super Bowl quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback that he is, you know, he, he's going to have you on your toes. So. Um, you know, we've got to be ready for every situation and uh, that, that which we are. And I guess, just finally, going up against somebody like Peyton, one of the other guys in the league like that, in practice every day makes it a little bit easier for you guys than say a team without a guy like Peyton. Extremely, definitely. And I think you're right. It sounds like it is quite a good atmosphere, but like you say, I, I, most of all, I think it sounds like the guys there are quite relaxed, which I guess is difficult the two days before you go into a championship game. Yeah, it, it did seem that way. I mean, the bulk of what you can hear in the background is Von Miller mimicking everything that Brand Mar- Brandon Marshall said to me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was very relaxed. I, I would say that was kind of the biggest takeaway for me, that the guys did seem really relaxed. And, and yeah, I'm, I always feel that once players have wrapped up that final practice before a game, it, it is kind of time to relax because, you know, at that point, all the film studies being done, you kind of you kind of there. The game's on the verge of happening. You've done the hard work at that stage. So yeah, there was definitely a feeling of letting letting the hair down and being comfortable. So I mean, maybe that bodes well for them in the game. It's interesting that you raised the free agency point. Certainly, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the Broncos this off season. Not only are they most likely to lose their starter at quarterback or de facto starter I guess we should say but they've got a fair few big name players on free agency so I did something to consider and for us to talk about next week and going forward but it's definitely an interesting point you bring up there uh, uh, where do you want to go next offensive side of the ball stick on the defense what's your let's, uh, let's wrap up the defense sir. fine yeah all good I'm happy with that so you talked about a guy there who uh, came in and had to play on the practice squad but you also t- talked with a guy who was uh, right at the top end of the draft yeah, absolutely. Shane Ray, a guy who, I mean, realistically, this time last year, we didn't think would play for the Denver Broncos because he was going to be a top-five pick until the marijuana issue and he kind of fell into Denver's lap and has, has become a real part of a, a really good pass rush uh, rotation there. But it was it was kind of on the on the draft that I started and said, look, I mean, obviously frustrating at the time, but it, it, it's allowed you to land on a team and you're now challenging for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't even worry about it. Uh, you know, I'm enjoying being on a great football team, a great defense, and being able to compete for a Super Bowl. That's all that matters. And how fun has it been on this defense? Because you guys get after the passer. It's it's strong on every single level. It must be a great defense to come in on. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you got a lot of guys that work hard. And, um, you know, it's good to see that everyone, when they get the opportunity, they make plays. So you got to keep working hard and take advantage of the opportunities. And how competitive has it been? Because, I mean, you've got... 
easily the deepest pass rushing group in the league and there's, there's an opportunity for you guys to rotate a lot and keep guys fresh but are you guys in a bit of competition with each other for both for snaps and generally just kind of in the banter in the locker room? I mean I don't really think we think about it like that we work to make each other better and um you know, that's if people think that's us competing in a way, I guess. But it's just us being brothers. We push each other to be the best yeah. every day. But I guess having that level of guys around you, you've got Von Miller, Demarcus Ware for a young player, it must be absolutely amazing to be learning from guys like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they help a lot. They talk to us, they teach us on a daily basis. So that's the advantage that we have that other rookies and young players don't have. And, and one of the key things with Tom Brady is whenever he's kind of lost big games, it's it's generally been pass rush that's got to him. I mean, how important is your role going to be on Sunday and, and kind of everybody talks about how he's getting the ball out in under two seconds. It's up to you guys to... And those on the back end to make sure that's not happening. I mean, we played him last time and we got a lot of hits on him last time. So, um, which, of course, he's going to try to get the ball out, but we just got to keep doing what we got to do and... More, keeping our pressure on him and we'll make plays and uh, I mean I've asked this question to the offensive guys about Peyton but DeMarcus is obviously an older guy and, and hasn't been in the Super Bowl but has done virtually everything else in his career you've obviously been around him this year is the kind of that feeling of wanting to win one for him as well because it would kind of seal his career in the in the perfect manner I guess yeah definitely uh, DeMarcus I would say he deserves Super Bowl uh, at all his accomplishments he's done great so um, we want to display as, as best as we can and help him, you know, get as many wins as he can and hopefully get the Super Bowl win. I, I really wanted to ask serious questions then, but do you have any idea who that was in the background going... It, it almost certainly again Von Miller, who <laughs> basically spent the two interviews I did near his locker just taking the piss. Um, Brilliant. I was actually meant to be interviewing Von Miller, but he got rushed off to a TV interview. He he seemed like a pretty fun guy. He was... Him and Akeem Tlaib, definitely the, the guys on that defence who kind of keep the spirits up in the locker room, I think. And looking at that pass rush, just as a Patriots fan, uh, one thing that impressed me with the Patriots against Kansas City, and uh, I think with offensive line pieces back, it was key, but they seemed to protect the edge really well against those rushes and keep time for Brady in the pocket. But... Houston came into the game not fully fit. Harley came into the game not fully fit. Is that something you do fear this weekend, that they could get some pressure on you? Absolutely. Harley wasn't healthy. Houston barely played any snaps. I mean, Sebastian Vollmer did look healthy, which is massive for the Patriots, because he didn't actually look healthy before he injured his knee. He looked like he needed a bit of a rest. Mm. But The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now. The Broncos have DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett, who is, an, I think, another undrafted guy who has become one of the kind of really young emerging pass rushers in the league. When DeMarcus have, Ware first went down, Shaq Barrett came in and had two or three absolutely blinding games. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got four really good pass rushers. They, they've got kind of, their third and four pass rushers would be really good pass rushers starting on other teams. So... It's a it's a ridiculously deep group. I mean, it's an unusual one with the Patriots because 
again, it's kind of this two seconds, get the ball out. If that happens, there's there's no real way you can deal with that. But, I mean, they're also very stout inside, which Kansas City were as well. And, I mean, Derek Wolf's just been given a big new contract that he deserves. He's become kind of a real... I, I believe, was he a first-round pick, Wolf, a few years back? But he's kind of really been solid, 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 and now seems to be really taking that next step. Kind of, He's kind only of 25. I, thought, I genuinely thought that Derek Wolfe was... He was a second-round pick in 2012. I genuinely thought he was uh, 26, 27, 28. I forgot he was drafted that recently. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't too long ago, maybe three or four years. And he, It might have been the same year Hightower came out, and those two remind me of each other in that they were, they were solid, if unspectacular, early, and have just got better and better and better as as they've learned the league. So I, I, I think that is the area where the Patriots could lose the game, but I still think it's unlikely. I mean, and, and the main reason it's unlikely is is obviously the Denver offence, which we're going to get on to now. Well, lead us on, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, so I did speak to a couple of guys on the offence as well, um, one of whom was Demarius Thomas, who had that bizarre, the, the bizarre Super Bowl against Seattle where Peyton Manning set the most completions record, and Demarius Thomas, I think, had the most yards by a receiver despite the the blowout. So those two guys have been together for a while, and, and Thomas is, is still the number one guy. But what was interesting last week is, for the first time in his career, Demarius Thomas played in front of his mum for the first time after she'd been released from prison. So I started by asking him about that and then, and then moved on to more about Peyton Manning. Very special moment, you know, to have her here for my first game, uh, to see how she act after the game, also as a playoff game. Uh, it, it was just a special moment. I was excited for her. Yeah, and kind of what's the what's the message on offense this week? Obviously, there's there's a need to stay balanced, but you guys, you and Manny, obviously know the role yeah. that you have to play with her. And, and kind of, I guess you relish in that. Yeah, we are. Uh, and I think our main thing is, is go out and make more plays than we did last time. Uh, score points, don't turn over the ball, and just be playmakers as receivers. You know, have one of those games. Yeah, and you were lined up a lot on, on Logan Ryan in the last game. How did you enjoy that matchup? And is, is there anything that you've kind of spotted on film this week that you think you might be able to take advantage of? It was a great matchup. Uh, you know, I look forward to it, and I just got to go out and make more plays than, uh, than I did last time. Uh, We'll see how they go. Yeah, and obviously you've been with Payne a few years now and, and played in Super Bowls with him and, and had a big game in the Super Bowl. But was there a was there an element of kind of readjusting to him when he came back in after Brock? And it, do you feel like that chemistry's back now? Yeah, the, the chemistry it kind of didn't leave. You know, it was a little it's, it's a little different because of the offense, but uh, the chemistry still kind of there because we got some of the same same routes. But um, it, it was good to have him back, and uh, I look forward to see what we can do this game. You know. Um, being able, his, his really his his third time back being healthy in the offense, and I uh, see what happens. And, and just finally, is that, as a guy who's obviously been around Peyton for a few years now, is there a feeling? Obviously, you want to win a Super Bowl, but is there a feeling that it may be Peyton's last chance, and you'd like to win it yeah, for him as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, that's and that's big. You know, this might be his last year, and I can say that the four years I don't play with him, it's been great. I don't learned a lot. He was a great leader, you know. I learned so much from him. So, you know, just just want to see a you know a guy like him go out because he did it the right way. He's one of the best in the game, first ballot Hall of Fame. So, uh, it'll be great to go and uh, make it to the Super Bowl and win it for him. No doubt about that from Damaris Thomas's perspective. I have to say, every time you say film instead of uh, film, it makes me laugh. Not because you're wrong, because I get it's an accent thing, but I just think, what do the Americans think you're saying? Uh, that is interesting, actually. Yeah, maybe I need to. I kind of. 
Would Whenever that... people criticise my accent, I kind of rally against it by going further the other way. But <laughs> I think when I am in America, I might need to kind of think about some of those things well, and how I present them. Let me tell you why I thought about that, because we, we obviously, we've been feeding in from your first question on these interviews, but your question that you asked him, and I'm just going to play it now. Obviously, the big storyline was being able to have your mum there for the first time. How special was that for you? A uh, very special moment, you know. Fair play to Demaris Thomas for knowing who you meant when you said your mum there. Mum, your mum. Because <laughs> when I heard it the first time, I thought I said your mum there. The, I thought you meant having Peyton Manning back in the side. And then when he said, yeah, it was great being able to play in front of her for the first time. So what? And then I went and looked up the story and realised you meant about his mum being out of prison. Genuinely, I was confused by it. So Demaris Thomas figuring it out was uh, was superb. Absolutely. He was, he was lovely, actually, Demaris Thomas. One... One thing that stuck out in that interview is, kind of never said it, but he was he was really poor in the first game against the Patriots. Logan Ryan actually had his best game as a pro, and Demary's probably had his worst. And it was really interesting to kind of see him sort of self beat him beat himself up somewhat and say, "I need to make more plays." Because he does. I mean, he's going to be a big part of what they try and do this week, and and he needs to have a much better time of it than he did last time. But I thought, I mean. It was just brilliant to kind of see his face light up talking about Peyton. You can tell there's a real connection there. And obviously, he was such a big player in that record-breaking year. And I mean, you can you can kind of see how much love he has for Peyton Manning. I mean, very different to the next guy I interviewed, Virgil Green, <laughs> who I asked. I asked the same question of just kind of how nice would it be for for Manning to to win a Super Bowl and. Yeah, it was a it was a very different answer and one that surprised me and, and one where I wish I also had the video because his facial expression very much said the, told the story of what he was saying as well. You know, I focus so much on, on myself and yeah. my own job. I want to win this for me, uh, yeah. first and foremost. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I would like to see Peyton get another one, but first and foremost, I want to ring for myself. Payne's got one. I still got to get one. Brilliant. Thanks very much. <laughs> I love that. That brilliant. That's a, uh, yeah, and what a great voice as well, Virgil Green, probably. Well, I, I mean, I'd love to say the voice was the reason I interviewed him. Actually, him and Vernon Davis were stood side by side. And Vernon Davis was very receptive to giving interviews. And I thought, there's a guy that's won a Super Bowl, but he played one snap last week. So I'm going to get the guy next to him who actually might have an impact on the game. So, yeah, that was interesting. And but, I, I'll tell you, we we got we did Vernon Davis when we were out in San Francisco two years ago. Uh, yeah, it must have been cause it was the season before they moved into the new facility. But we interviewed him at the practice facility down there, which you'll see when we're in San Francisco next week. It's an amazing facility, the whole, the whole thing, not just the stadium. But he's a great interview, Vernon Davis. It's just a shame we got him right at the tail end of his production. And not long after we spoke to him, he fell off a cliff and didn't really do anything ever again. Um, so, yeah, no doubt and i thought virgil green was good fun so uh we we uh, as always with everything we do on this show and this is going to be the longest show ever and i'm sorry but you're gonna to have to deal with that people um i hope it's well so you enjoy well, it. like, well, we're all just kind of clamoring to talk it's really three-hour epics every day isn't it see i'm thinking much more like 25 minute epics every day because we want right. to get down to the pub but we'll yeah, see how that stuff. goes um yeah. just final thoughts from you uh like you saw what you saw in denver today me and ollie are going to break down our thoughts on the patriots broncos game but just in as shorter terms as you can sell it why should people be excited about this game on sunday and why are the patriots obviously going to win um why should they be excited because we are about to watch probably the closing chapter of the the greatest rivalry in this sport's history and, and maybe one of the greatest in all of sports. I mean, 
it, it is still Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. It's not. Who knows? Maybe it is how it should end. Maybe Manning performs brilliant and we get the great game that you kind of hope for. But either way, it's kind of a it's kind of a special time to. And you you got that feeling. I I asked a few guys kind of in and around the media, etc. And there's the, the, there is that feeling of it's going to be something special on Sunday. It's kind of you're talking about two guys who've kind of redefined the game and and been such a synonymous with each other. And I mean, those years in the 2000s, you just were just incredible to to be around and see. And and yeah, I think for that reason, it's going to be a really special occasion. But I, I, I mean, everybody knows which way I lean anyway, but <laughs> even even kind of trying to take bias out of it, I'd, I'd be amazed if Denver won. I'd, I'd love to see a close game, but I, I can't really even see that. And I think if the Patriots went up early, it would potentially get ugly. Look, Sherry, pleasure, and we'll speak to you on Monday after the game. We don't know whether we'll be getting a despondent Matt Sherry or a delighted Matt Sherry, but whatever, whichever way it goes, you're going to head down into the locker rooms, grab some more audio for us. So we'll speak to you on Monday. We'll be bringing you that on uh, Monday's podcast, and then the next show after that will be us in San Francisco. You, like, you've got like a week. You could walk there right from Denver? Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. We'll see you there, Bye. mate. <laughs> Have a great yeah. time on Sunday, buddy. Yeah, cheers, man. And yeah, speak Monday. I look forward to it. Whoop, whoop. That was editor-in-chief, not and-chief. He's nobody's chief around here. Uh, he is our editor, though, Matt <laughs> Sherry, out in Denver in Mile High. Admittedly, I was expecting for some reason him to be more affected by the oxygen, but that northern drawl has gone nowhere. Uh, let's talk about this game. And just to give you a few stats on this one, the AFC team, in the AFC, the home team are 6-1 and one in the last seven games. The number one seed... This is fantastic. Has only been underdog three times in the past 30 years in the NFL. If the number one seed has been in the championship game and they've lost all three times. Oh, no. Uh, 10 out of the last 15 times the Pats have been to the AFC title game under Brady and in the same period of time teams led either by Peyton or Brady have been to the Super Bowl. So I think since 2003 the only other quarterbacks to be there Joe Flacco Ben Roethlisberger. That's it. The AFC... Parity. Parity in the AFC. The AFC is dominated (laughs) by these teams. Brady has more postseason wins than all of the other teams who are still in the competition at this point. Wow. He has 22 postseason wins. The Broncos have 21. The Panthers have eight. And the Cardinals have seven. Best ever? Yeah, probably. Yeah. How are you seeing this one going, Ollie Hunter? Well... Tom Brady has more touchdowns at mile high than Peyton Manning <laughs> this, this season. That's, that's incredible, <laughs> isn't it? Peyton Manning has one. Brady has three. Peyton Manning started six games at mile high. Brady has started one. That is ridiculous. Um, the, the but Brady did lose that game. He did. Um, the Patriots are 10-0 and when they have the holy trinity of Gronk, Amendola and Edwin, otherwise known as Incrediman. You will owe me an apology by the end of this se- this season, and I will get it by hook or by crook. Uh, when those guys have been on the field, I can't see anything but a, a, a big Patriots win. Uh, there's there's a few factors on the offensive side of the ball that are going to be key here. The first thing, Brady, uh, when you mentioned it already, when those guys uh, are in the lineup, particularly Gronk, particularly Edelman, he's getting the ball out of his hand half a second quicker. Now, it doesn't sound like a huge amount, but going from two and a half seconds to two seconds, when you've got the likes of Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware coming at you. I mean, Von Miller said he only needs a second to get to Tom Brady. I'm not sure he can count. 
How's he going to do that? He's a great pass rusher, but like mathematically and physically, that's almost not possible. So if he can get it out in two seconds, and the difference as well with Gronk and Edelman on the field is those routes tend to be hitting a guy in stride. And there's plenty of yards after the catch potential. Not like when you're throwing to LaFell, Amendola, uh, you know, White out of the backfield. A lot of hook routes, a lot of uh, stop routes, you know, a lot where you're going to be going safe and throwing short of the markers and just trying to pick up some decent yardage. Actually, you can pick up big chunks. Mm. Um, a lot of it is going to be down to where they actually align uh, against Gronk. Chris Harris left the game last weekend. We don't know how fit and ready he is going to be. He's got this shoulder injury. He said he's going to play. I fancied Chris Harris to potentially line up against Gronk when he was fully fit. Tlaib may be the go-to man. I mean, in general, they play a lot of uh, a lot of man coverage, this Denver defense. Uh, a lot of zone coverage, sorry. But if anyone can go man over zone in this Denver team, it's, it's Tlaib and he has the talent to do that. And he has the talent to do it against someone like Rob Gronkowski. But the Pats are so good at changing the assignments at the line of scrimmage, ensuring Gronk gets the mismatch against a linebacker or that he picks up a double and Edelman gets mismatched inside. I just feel like Brady and Belichick are maybe a little too good situationally. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned Tlaib. Tlaib used to be a Patriot, so you'd think that he'd be the ideal man to cover either Incredible or Gronkowski because he knows that he would have done it in, in practice. So... There is that as well, but you know the, the way the way the Patriots managed to to uh, you, you mentioned with um, uh, with Tom Brady, but getting the ball out that much quicker. It's that trust issue that he has that he knows that Julian Incredible and uh, Danny Am- Amendola. Full name him. I can't do it. Work. Yeah, okay, it does not work. <laughs> uh, Rob Gronkowski, Robo Gronk, as I like to call him, with that massive like Robo arm. Um, they'll they'll be where he wants them to be. The, the one issue is that that Patriots offensive line has not been great. Okay, they managed to to stuff Kansas City last week, but Kansas City were banged up. Justin Houston was not the same player when he came back from injury. Up against DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller, that could be where the game is won and lost, unless it's on... Peyton Manning's in Peyton Manning's I, I, I think getting Sebastian Volmer back was massive for them because they were so much better at setting the edge on the offensive line. And we're going to talk about Carolina in a bit and what they do with their offensive line. But actually, when they had that full personnel out, they, you've got to almost be relying on Denver that you're going to get some pressure up the middle. And that's going to be the difference if they face, say, Carolina in the Super Bowl as and when they probably get there, is that there'll be a lot more internal pressure. That Broncos pressure does tend to come from the outside. They can blitz safeties. They can blitz corners as well as bringing off their standard edge rushers if they bring five or six guys. So there's lots of options, but they were that was what... The Patriots were very good at combined with Brady getting the ball out quickly. Uh, those just, I do. I genuinely feel like if Chris Harris is back and fully fit and playing slot corner against Gronk, he can almost man mark him, and he won't ever mark mm. him out of the game. But he can make him a lot less impactful. If he's out and they have to put Talib inside to slot, then they're going to get pressure on the outside. There's just a lot of concern mm. that they're going to be mismatched, and the Patriots are very and they the Patriots go to empty sets more than all, than anyone else in the league. Them and the Cardinals, basically, we're about to talk about in a minute. And, and when you've got no running backs really to think of, you'd like to think that their defensive backs have got the quality. Just without Chris Harris, I love Chris Harris. Yeah. And I think when he went out in their Super Bowl run two years ago, he was a major factor for them not 
winning. I mean, I know they lost horribly to the Seahawks, but I, I think he was a major factor when he went out the following season as well. And I, I just think he's too key to that defense. I hope he comes back big. You mentioned Peyton, though. Obviously, we've got to talk about the other side of the ball. I had, um, we know that running plays are going to be key. And I think they got 180 yards against the Patriots when they last faced each other. So that's a great total on the ground. And they'll need something similar, if not more than that, in this game in order to win it. But a couple of stats on the running game. Um, when, uh, when Peyton was in the lineup in the first half of the season, they were 26th in the league in yards per carry. In the second half of the season with Brock Osweiler in, they were ninth in the league on yards per carry. And this is because Peyton isn't there. They can basically play that stretch offense that Gary Kubiak loves so much more easily because Brock Osweiler is coming from directly under center. He only has to take three steps back and the running back is only running three yards before he hits the line of scrimmage. Now, when that's CJ Anderson and he doesn't have the same pace uh, as Ronnie Hillman and he's the big banger, that's so much more suited to him. And I think he's the better running back of the two. Mm. When you've got Peyton often coming from the shotgun, not coming in for under centre, less mobile, the running back is picking up six, seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. That means they have to hit the line a lot later. The defence have a lot longer to react. It's a very good running defence, uh, the, the Patriots defence, when they've got all of their linebackers in there. And I just feel like Ronnie Hillman's not good enough to beat them, basically. But CJ Anderson might not be fast enough to beat them if he's forced to come from so much deeper with Peyton. Yeah, and the thing the thing with the running backs is um, it would have been more yards that they would have got against the Patriots first time round if they'd had a, a, a different a different guy other than Hillman or that CJ Anderson was um, was brought into the game a bit sooner. They keep they they are persisting with this committee. Last week 15 uh, touches for Anderson, 16 for Hillman. And Anderson had that big 34-yard run, that, but other than that, both are, are rushing for under three yards per carry, mm-hmm. and that is worrying. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm, honey child, <laughs> that's that's worrying. Actually, I thought before Peyton Manning and uh, Anderson managed to get that touchdown last week, I thought I'd, I'd written a tweet saying it's time for Brock o'clock. Yeah, and... and- uh, yeah, I don't think they'd take Peyton out. This is going to be his last ever game if the Pats win. And I still, I'm picking the Pats to win this. They've only got a three and a half point line. I would bet with the line as well. Give them those points because I think they'll win this by at least a score. The one area that the Pats could be slightly weaker is Gerard Mayo is been, has been placed on injured reserve. He was brilliant over the top in the game against the Chiefs. Uh, able to play in that hook curl area, view the pass, potentially run delay blitz, come up and stuff the run in the middle. He was out and you feel like, do they have the personnel to fill it in? Yes, if they have a fully fit defense, but we just don't know what those linebackers are going to look like. I think the Broncos to win this are going to need big chunk plays like they did against the Steelers. Mm. And the Steelers gave them that a little bit by allowing them the kind of medium to medium deep routes those they played very deep with the two corners um william gay and allen they they stood off quite a bit and you saw the broncos picking up quite a few kind of 10 15 20 yard pass plays but they need to pick up bigger chunks than that i think they actually need to break off those kind of 35 yard runs like they say and if they haven't got three or four of those types of plays in this game i don't think they've got enough offense to beat what the patriots have on offense and I see the Patriots winning by as many as two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there. The one caveat is they cannot have as many drops as they did last week. Eight drops last week, which is insane. And a lot of those drops were 
wide open drops. They weren't they they weren't difficult. They weren't difficult. I don't know why you're doing that. They weren't difficult drops. And if you catch those at the especially at the beginning of the game, and especially last week, it could have been far. The game could have been far further out out of sight. And I, Peyton Manning didn't have as bad a game as everyone's making out. And his arm, yes, Ollie Hunter, and his arm strength, on I think, is still there. There was oh, one. No, 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 no. There was one shot down the middle that Emmanuel Sanders did catch, and that was a gun. Yeah, so it, it was a gun, but it was low and it was short, and he could force into that. It's when he's got to throw those deep throws, and he's mm. almost like he's throwing a javelin in his body motion. It's not coming from the arm; it's coming from his whole body yeah, yeah, to okay. heave the ball downfield. That's where my concern is, and I think you're absolutely nailing it when you talk about the drops, because actually, the Broncos drops continued and persisted throughout the game. They had eight drops. Actually, they had very few in the fourth quarter when they came back and won the game. I think they only had one. But the Patriots had five drops last week, which is high for the Patriots. Four of those drops came on the first two drives. How many were Brandon and, LaFell, and though? Felt like, no, no, Julian Edelman was two of them. Because it felt like mm. they were getting back into stride. and It felt like they were getting back into trying to rediscover the offense with everyone back in there and against a competitive defense rather than against their scouting team and, and all of the, the, those factors that come into that. And the difference with the Patriots is they learned what they needed to learn in that first quarter and then exploited it going forwards from there, whereas the Broncos didn't necessarily do the same thing. So you look at the drop numbers, you think, well, the Patriots had drops last week, but the way they all came very early in the game almost gives me more confidence in Brady than less confidence because of the numbers of drops. So... I just want to ask you one final question on this because I know we talked about it quite a bit and we've spoken. There we've are only two Sherry. games. We can talk about these plenty. However, the Patriots only ran, I think it was 13 times, a couple of times from Brady, which doesn't really count as a run. That's a design run. It was a Always scramble. Always a sneak. Always a, a sneak. Or a, sne- a scramble or a sneak. So 42 times thrown. I think he threw 19 times on the trot at the beginning of the game. They match up really well uh, against uh, the Denver Broncos passing defense. Are we going to see Bill Belichick ground, ground, uh, ground and pound? <laughs> Will it be Stephen Jackson, Stephen, James White, yeah. just to troll everyone? Are we going to see this from Stephen from Jackson's going to get 150 yards, <laughs> and three touchdowns? Is it going to be? Game? Is it going to be like that? That's what everyone's saying. It's all going to be done in the air, Gronk and Incrediblement. But actually, we're going to see Jackson and White pound it out the perfect patriots game basically yeah uh no it's not going to be that i'll say that now and it probably will be i I, from a neutrals perspective i do want to see peyton go to the super bowl one more time hopefully even win it one more time but actually i'm all about the nfc action because the nfc championship game kicking off at 11 40 p.m sunday night is bombastic nfc arizona Carolina Panthers, Arizona are seven and one on the road this season. The Panthers have won twelve in a row in their own house. And the NFC home team in the last seven games is only three and four. And the last eight straight NFC title games, the score has been less than a touchdown. It's so much the better conference. Yeah. 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 I There's think there might be some NFC bias in here, but I am very much the sort of person who I like to see variation and I like to see like those stats we gave on Manning and Brady. That's great. They are both obviously incredible quarterbacks, but that's on the rest of the AFC for not stepping up and making a difference and getting involved. And I think there have been teams who have showed potential and never quite grown into those roles, like the Bengals, for example. But the NFC has been very changeable over that period of time, and we haven't seen the same teams over and over and over again. And I think that's key for why I get more excited about the NFC. And I'm really excited for this game on Sunday. Do the Seahawks 
beat the Patriots if it's played tomorrow on a neutral neutral field? On a neutral field, no. Okay, in century. I literally, I actually, I actually kind of feel like if you if they played that game ten times, they'd almost split it five and five. I think the Patriots would beat them over if it was a ten game series. The Patriots would beat them over ten games because they'd learn what they were doing better and scheme for them better, and that would be all down to Belichick. Maybe a three game series, I'd see the Pats taking two to one or something like. But it's tight. That's a very tight pairing. About the Broncos. No, the Broncos get smashed by the Seahawks. So it would be like Super Bowl Forty Eight. So what we're saying is, you know, the NFC have three of the top four teams in the in the NFL right now. It may be in terms of talent, but actually, I think the five best teams in the NFL this season have been the Broncos, the Pats, these two we're about to talk about, and then the Bengals. I think that's if you're being fair, those are the teams mm. that have performed the best this season. But in terms of pure talent, neutral field, all of that stuff, yeah, probably the Seahawks are in there. Okay, let's get on to uh, to Arizona at uh, Carolina. Which side of the ball would you like to start with? The Arizona offense versus the Panthers defense or VC versus? Um, let's go for the former. Fine. So Jared Allen's going to be missing this weekend, probably, but maybe. But he claims he wants to play. Okay. I know Jared Allen hasn't been an, uh, his impact player. He's passed his explosive best. But that doesn't mean that losing one of your starting rushes against a loaded Cardinals offense doesn't hurt you. Uh, I mentioned earlier, they use empty sets as often as anyone in the league other than New England. But the difference with the Cardinals is when New England use those empty sets, Brady gets the ball out in two seconds on a short route and they go for yards after the catch. What the Cardinals are doing are relying on that front five uh, and those great tackles. The interior guys may be a little bit more suited to the run game than the pass game, but they're relying on those guys to block while Palmer takes like a five, even seven step drop, allows routes to develop downfield and then goes for those deeper shots. That's the kind of offense they are and it's exciting to watch. But that just gives that extra time for those pass rushers to get there and that's why I think Jared Allen missing just as that little bit of extra pressure up front could be key for the Panthers. And not also, missing, but maybe not at full speed. And also what Jared Allen does really well, and he, we saw it last week against the Seahawks, that he spots when it's going to be what kind of play it is. So there was one play where it was going to be a quarterback check down to the left-hand side, right-hand side for, Jar- for Jared Allen. Jared Allen didn't bite on it withdrew withdrew the pressure he was going to cover that he covered the guy which forced russell wilson out to the right and uh the uh the carolina uh, sorry the yeah the panthers managed to flush russell wilson out and the, it, it was a it was um busted play it, it was a busted play but it could have been far worse had alan you know bit on it and uh, and not done what he actually did. Were, so yeah, it's kind of things an, an option toss play. Yeah, and it was it's kind of things like that where he doesn't get the credit because someone else made the tackle for loss, but actually it was his his movement there and his experience and his nous and his football savviness which which forced the play elsewhere. And that's the kind of thing that they will be missing. Now, uh, the uh, in terms of this, the se- I mentioned the centre of the line there, and that is potentially key because the Arizona Central. I mean, our Mikey Upati uh, in the middle uh, has been absolutely ludicrously good this year. Uh, we saw what impact his injury had, but they are set up for the run game there, and that's why Chris Johnson was so good early in the season, and that's what he offers. But we mentioned them so much this week in the last few weeks already. K1 Short is an absolute superstar. Star Lele is not that far behind. 
they might simply be able to bull rush them. And Arizona, I mean, they're set up this way on both sides of the ball. They're a bit of a smaller team. You look at the receivers, you look at the linebackers, you look at the safeties, you look at the... Everyone is at Patrick Peterson at corner. They're a kind of smaller, faster team. That's how they're designed to play, which is great. But you've got such contrasting styles between these teams because you've got the Panthers who are going to try and smash you and pound you up front and keep grounding it and uh, play that style of football. And then you've got this kind of finesse, both offense and defense. And Palmer will, if they can push Palmer off his spot with the internal pressure... And if that thumb's still causing him some problems, that is where the Cardinals might struggle. Now, the Panthers' injuries at secondary do not help them. Mm. Uh, Charles Tillman uh, out, Ben Ben Wickery out. We know Josh Norman's still in there, but when you're relying on your fourth and fifth string corners to be filling in on the other side, to I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do with Josh Norman because you can't, you can't throw to the middle of the field with those safeties there. Those, the safeties are so good. So... They're going to be looking to find space on the outside. So what does Norman do? Does he follow a number the one guy? Does, or... he, does he cover a side of the field? And Arizona, what they're brilliant at when facing up with that sort of defense where they play a cover two, cover three uh, in the defensive backfield, and it's relatively obvious what they're going to be doing. They do. It's basically they're the exact opposite of Green Bay in terms of they go for stacked receivers, trip receivers, condensed sets. These are very, playing very tight to the line, which forces the safeties and corners to play tight, and then running routes that go to the outside post mm. routes and corner routes, and those sorts of things where you've got guys crossing each other, you've got guys uh, crossing safeties, you've got uh, they're confusing the defense and they're creating their own space on the outside, forcing the corners to play inside. And that's, I can imagine Arizona winning this game and scoring like three or four massive touchdowns where they're just going to find space on the outside against a third or fourth string corner and be able to exploit that. So that's kind of, the Panthers' defense have to be clever and try and not fall for all of that trickery. And there is potentially that. I, I, I can't see them running the ball very much at all, Arizona. The, the Panthers' front is too good. David Johnson, I think, ran something ridiculous like 18 touches for 30 yards or something. To, yeah, si- I mean, the, the, 16 touches for 6 yards or something nonsense last week. The Green Bay rush defense has, has been markedly better mm. in recent weeks. And I think we see that it's very similar, actually, that rush defense uh, to what the Carolina defense actually, actually has. Um I think we'll see a lot of David Johnson out of the backfield as in as a, as a passing um, option. So we'll see. And they've got Ellington for that as We've well. We've got Ellington for that as well. Uh, how worried are you about Cortland Finnegan? Uh, a lot of a lot has been said about him. He did come up with a pick, uh, I think, last week or the week before. But... I don't think he's good enough. He, yeah, he's, he's, I think he'll be shown up by Double Brown, Double J Brown, as it were. Hmm. Um, Michael Floyd as well, who's had, a, who's had one of his best seasons... The Fitz magic. Michael Floyd has been insane this year. Generally, Michael Floyd and Bruce Arians said it. He would have a fifteen hundred yard season if uh, if he played every game this year. I'm angry with the lack of Fitz magic uh, drop. No, oh, well, I'm sorry, but I'm <laughs> I'm getting seriously nailed down into. <laughs> I love it when there's only a couple of games left because we can actually get this deep. On that's it, true, that's and I'm not true. trying to have to just sum things up in three minutes so as not to bore people. So, oh, 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 give the people what they want i.e. me that that is what the people need um so i i believe david johnson will only be used for balance threat of doing it creates some space potential for play action all of that stuff but 
I don't see him having a big day running the ball. So this, actually, this side of it is so exciting and so up in the air. And we haven't even got to the other side of the ball! It literally is up in the air because we'll (laughs) see a lot of passing, lots of trickery, which makes things really interesting. Oh, wow. I'm even more pumped for it now than I was. Let's move to the other side of the ball. What do you see the Panthers doing, which is going to upset this Pretty much, it's been an incredible defence this whole season. So I've been on the phone to Ron Rivera and uh, I've been on the phone to Mike Schuler and I've told them this is how to set up for your game plan, okay? Okay. I've, t- I've told them exactly what they need to do and this is, will work. I'm convinced of it. It's all about Greg Olsen early and I will explain why. <laughs> because if you uh, get the short passing game going early, get the linebackers and the safeties matched up on Olsen... You leave that little space for the run game. Those draw plays, those inside runs, those misdirection runs that they love running with Jonathan Stewart. Well, and Jonathan Stewart, crucially, he did tweak something in that game against uh, Seattle. He will be back this week. Get in. So, uh, I said it already, they've got a well-coached, flexible, smaller defence... But that power running game of the Panthers, they play much more heavy sets than, than anyone else in the league. And leaving the second tight end in, in Dixon and leaving the second running back or the full back in to support the offensive line, having seven there up front to block for their guy. If you're finding Olsen early, if Olsen gets two or three passes in the first couple of drives, you're forcing the linebackers who are so good and those safeties who are so good to sit back slightly deeper. Combine it with the lack of safety rotation because they've lost here in Matthew and mm. Rashad Johnson's going to have to play a lot more snaps and combine those two things together and they could have one of those days where they get 160, 170 yards on the ground. Cam Newton might be able to open up for both some designed runs and some scrambles. They, they need to basically keep this defence honest by making them sit back a little bit. Uh, I mean, the run, de- and the thing is, the run defense has actually been brilliant this year. Uh, Dion Buchanan is amazing. They play a lot of uh, what they call condensed bear fronts, which is where the defensive tackles come inside and play very tight and mm. and stuff the center of the line because they know they've got the safeties who can cover the outside and they've got Dion Buchanan specifically the money backer as they call him. So if the runner decides to go to the outside, they know they've got the fast guys who can cover that. But like last week, because they use so many heavy sets, that's going to... I just think they're going to be able to force Arizona's defence back. I just think it's, gonna, it's almost going to be like a, a, a ruck or a maul in rugby. And I think they're going to be able to open up those lanes. And once and one, well, you've a got running the, back breaks to the second level, yeah. there's the chance to break up a big 50-yard run, 60-yard run, like Jonathan Stewart did against the Seahawks. So that's how they win this game. I don't think they'd win it throwing it to Ted Ginn and Jericho Cottry. I know those guys have done brilliantly this season. I know Devin Funches has really come into it. And I know Mike Shuler's done brilliantly with them but I, they win this game ground and pound them with Greg Olsen. That's mm. how you're going to beat this team, I believe. We've saw Cam Newton do a lot of busting up the gut uh, <laughs> for... We've seen a lot of Eddie Lacey <laughs> busting out the gut. Yeah, well, we have. But bust, busting up north-south um, to get either a crucial third or fourth down. How, how well-equipped are the Cardinals in stopping that kind of play? A short sort of a short gain for for you know a, a new set of downs how equipped are they at stopping that i don't i actually i don't know what their third down um rate's been like this season the cardinals i mean they're so well coached this is the thing with both of these teams they have they, we are 
I am really picking hairs. All these things we're talking about, about being weaknesses, uh, and anywhere on the field. I mean, the guys who are talking about being weaknesses in these teams and the areas of weakness, you know, 16 weeks of the regular season are strengths against 26, 27 other teams. But when you get down to this stage, you've got to find what those little nitpicky things are and what's going to be the difference between the teams. And, and I believe that... With Cam Newton, the short yardage situations, I fancy the Panthers. Because he's basically the best goal line running back in the league, and short yardage situations is kind of like goal line situations. Yeah. That's the justification in my head. Yeah. And the best e- best ever quarterback in a rushing situation. How many, is it something like he's got 50 touchdowns, which is more than he's, almost... Is, He's an utterly ludicrous. Yeah, it's as much as Steve Young or whatever. So his um, uh, every time he gives out a ball to somebody in the crowd, he pays a fine of just over five thousand dollars. Through his touchdowns already, he's given away over a quarter of a million dollars in fines through giving balls away to kids in the crowd. That's and the the guy that was on our Twitter questioned his persona. Yeah, I know. What? Uh, Chris got in touch with us at Fluffy SKG. He got in touch with us during the last podcast, uh, and I didn't see it because we were already recording, asking why is Mike Shuler not among these hot OCs who have been linked with uh, every head coaching job this year? And it's kind of why I want to talk, why I, I think the Titans have been so ridiculous in their decision. And a couple of other teams, I think the Eagles potentially as well. I, okay, they want to bring Doug Pedersen, not call him Peterson, it's not a T, uh, back to their team because he's got the familiarity. But I have no clue why these teams who aren't taking one of the big names don't wait until the season's over because you can't speak to these guys without team permission whilst they're still in the playoffs. Now, Hugh, the, the, for example, the Bengals gave Hugh Jackson permission to talk on the Sunday regardless of whether they won or lost. They lost, but he would have been able to have talked to the teams, not been hired. And I, th- I think that's the same with, that happened with uh, uh, Doug Pedersen, actually. I think they decided they were going to hire him before the Chiefs were out of the playoffs as well. Mike Shuler wouldn't have been available for these interviews. They've got a Super Bowl run going on. Mm. He's not available for interviews until February 8th, in my mind. Uh, why not wait around? Why bring in Mike Mularkey back? Why make that decision now when it's, it's the off-season? Do you think it's because everybody else was doing it? Uh, yeah, I do. I do think there's that, a bit of a pack mentality. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a panic. Press the panic button. Hire the guy that's already here. And you, we've seen it in recent seasons with the likes of Adam Gase. I mean, Adam Gase ended up uh, missing out uh, on a head coaching job the season that they took the Broncos to the Super Bowl and lost to the Seahawks and people fancied him that year because they went deep in the playoffs. The following year he had a shot at the 49ers head coaching job, ended up becoming OC at the Bears because of all that nonsense but you know, he ended up not taking a head coaching job till two years after the time he probably should have had a head coaching job because teams wouldn't wait until he was available to interview at the end of the playoffs and I think that's exactly what's happened to Mike Shuler I actually think it's too soon. Mike Shuler, for all that he's done brilliantly this year, has a pretty average career as a coordinator before this. So let's not get overexcited by his so single-season performance. What you're saying, if he does an- if Carolina have another good year next year, 
that's when he might be Keep your on eyes. the radar yeah. for the Tennessee Titans <laughs> <laughs> or the exactly. Jacksonville Jaguars or someone like that. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, we put out some questions on Twitter asking you who you thought was going to win these games this weekend and why. Before you, me and Ollie give our answers, let's get a few of yours. Ger Samuel says Broncos and Cardinals in Super Bowl 50 for him. Broncos will take uh, advantage of home field. They're de-harangued Brady last time they played and as long as Denver can get their run game going to extend drives and keep Brady off the fields I think they squeak it the Cardinals will beat the Panthers because the Panthers will keep taking their foot off the gas when they've got a big enough lead I think that's where I disagree with you Ger, because I don't think the Panthers will have a huge lead in this game at any point so they won't have the chance to take their foot off the gas yeah back and forth um it's going to be a really tight close gritty dirty encounter Probably not so dirty, actually. <laughs> I take that back. But, but yeah, I think there'll be a lot of beautiful plays. So less of the dirty, more of the beautiful. But, yeah, I can't see them doing, again, what the, what they did last week. Uh, Paddy says, Patriots and Panthers. Patriots' formula for beating the Chiefs will work perfectly against the Broncos. Motivated by the loss earlier in the season and the defeat in the AFC title game two years ago, Panthers are simply the best team in the NFL this season. I actually want to see it the other way around, Broncos cards, but I can't see it happening. Chris Balling says, Denver and Arizona would love to see this, as I can't stand the other two quarterbacks. No, Chris Balding, Cam Newton's a legend. Uh, Kenneth says, Pats and Panthers with the Panthers winning the Super Bowl and Simon Morgan says Patriots win a fifth ring yeah yeah uh, in terms of uh, Twitter, that was Facebook. In terms of Twitter, uh, we had a few answers on here. Tony said Patriots because the Valley Russia gets four sacks on Peyton and a forced fumble. Cards because Arizona wins a last-minute game of... because bleh. Cards because Arians wins a last-minute game of poker. Uh, Adam oh, who's the Valley Russia? I, I have literally no idea. Um, I'm going <laughs> to find out man. right now. Why don't you find out while I read right. through the last couple? Go on. Uh, Tom Knight says Cheatriots paid Brady, Bronk, Gronk, etc. Just too good. And Panthers, Cam Newton, MVP, great D cards at ropey against the Packers. And this game is even more pressured. Uh, Adam says Panthers and Cheatriots. Why? Because I want to see the Broncos and Cardinals win. Uh, and Robert says Panthers and Pats for me. I think the Pats will just find a way as they often do love the cards. But Cam is playing at another level this season. Ollie, do you have an answer for us? No. Who the uh, is no i do not have an answer but <laughs> if we were go- to guess chandler jones maybe i just don't know why i i just why valley russia i mean he's probably from the valley or so maybe is, do you think he's from the welsh valleys it, well with a name like chandler jones chandler jones and it's from come from big valleys. tony and it has come from big tony I big tony is a chandler. big welsh man i think we figured it out i think it's chandler jones <laughs> there we go uh, ollie for the final time before the Super Bowl, who are you taking this weekend? I am taking the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. I'm sorry it's the same as you, but I just can't I can't see past all of the reasons why we've discussed. I am taking the New England Patriots and the Arizona Cards. It's not the same as you! Ooh. Because I think the Cards-Panthers game is going to turn into a shootout. And who do I fancy in a shootout? That high-powered Cardinals offense. I think this game could be like 42-38 or something like that. I think it's really exciting. This podcast has been so much longer than I expected. That's incredible. I'm just looking at how long it is. So thank you for sticking with us through the whole thing and our ranting and rambling and raving. Uh, Ollie. Sorry, that's the wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ollie, uh, 
first of all, Schilling at Gridiron on Twitter, Super Bowl Party, gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl 50. Thanks to the man in touch on Twitter who just said he's just bought his tickets already and asking for any hints on who the player's going to be. Let's put it this way. We had somebody locked in two days ago and they've since pulled out. Oh. NFL UK are organising it, so NFL UK will let us know when they can let us know, and we will let you know as soon as we do. And Paul, we love you still, even though you are a Seahawks fan. Uh, <laughs> sports travel tours for all your sports travel needs. We'll be meeting up with Andrew Hill when we get out there, and we'll be putting some touches onto our ideas for what we'd want to do for the tour. Ahead of schedule coming out, keep saving your pennies for that. Ollie, we've gone long, but are there any final non-football thoughts you'd like to bring to the table? Off to be a blood uncle this weekend. Uh, so that would be lovely, seeing my... My wonderful little niece, and then to see the Broken Brass Ensemble. Ah, nice. Uh, in Norwich. I take that Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. Because Sunday night, where are you going to be? Sunday night. I'm going to be at the Hippodrome with you. Yeah, you are. We will be in the Hippodrome. We're taking up a huge... There's Paolo Bandini's coming down. Dan Lowe from Americanage is yes. coming down. I love Dan Lowe. Uh, a load of the guys who are in the fancy leagues with us who have been down before, if you've ever come down and meet. So come down. It's going to be a great time. The girls, I'll invite Rigglesworth. The, the, the Girl Sports Talks. Uh, girls are coming. Carrie's coming. Uh, Adam Farkerson's coming. All the big names are going to be there. So come <laughs> Adam down. Adam Farkerson. <laughs> <laughs> come down and... Oh, that's really mean because he listens adam we love you i do love adam adam we need to see more of each other and then we're going to watch the royal rumble afterwards me and adam so thank you very much for listening we love you all very much championship weekend 15 days of the super bowl one more podcast till we start podcasting from our hotel room in the homeless area of san francisco (laughs) thank you very much as always for listening this has been the gridiron show Ram it.